Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 14th episode of the Queen City Control Room podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Just finishing up watching the Celtics and the Warriors finish a great game in overtime. Nick, a little late night QCCR action. How are you feeling? I'm tired, but I'm energizing myself. I'm ready to rock and roll. Have a great episode today. Um, really excited about watching this game. Kind of was, you know, taking a look at Twitter, watching the game in the background and everything. And I see a lot of people complaining during the game about how, like, anytime the Celtics go up against the Warriors, they're basically looking cooked. And, you know, it's just not that fun of a team to watch. And, man, <laughs> were those people wrong. Oh, my God. I mean, it was it Celtics trailed from the second quarter until basically overtime. And obviously just pulled away with the win. I think it was that final score was 121 to 118 in overtime. That was a good game. Jason Tatum, 19 boards too. Wow, that's impressive. A bad day to be a Celtic hater on Twitter. Did you know that the NBA has Rivals Week? Never heard of it. We don't have to talk about it in any level of detail today, but I heard him mention it when I was watching the Celtics game. So I just Googled it because they mentioned it's going to be next week. I figured, I don't know, is everybody playing a rival or something? It's five games. They're just starting it this season, apparently. It's five games. They're going to air them all next week. You have the Celtics and the Heat on Tuesday, the 24th. You have the Clippers and the Lakers on, hmm. uh, I think, Tuesday as well. That's late game. Wednesday, you have the Nets and the Sixers, which should be fun with uh, you know the trade that happened last season. And then you have the Grizzlies and the Warriors in the late game on Wednesday. And then Thursday, you have the Bulls in Charlotte against the Hornets, which I think was probably supposed to be like the Lonzo Lamelo rivalry. <laughs> so interesting <laughs> that both people will not be playing, but at least you still have like the Michael Jordan Bulls Hornets relationship there. Uh, the late game on Thursday is the Suns and the Mavericks. So that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, you have uh, the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. I didn't really know that that was a rivalry. Um, but I guess they're kind of like saying John Moran and Anthony Edwards. And then the Raptors and the Warriors. And it continues into the weekend, but I don't want to read through, you know, five more games. So Wow. That's kind of weird. All of those are like new age matchups. None of them are deep rivalries that went into the old NBA. That's kind of why I was surprised looking at it. Um, but I guess we are just rolling with that now. So yeah, at least we know there's going to be nationally televised NBA. All those games are on like NBA. Uh, sorry, they're, all of them are on TNT or ESPN or ABC. So oh, from cool. from Tuesday to Saturday, there's a 7.30 game and a 10 o'clock game every single night. Wow. So that'll be fun. It seems like a little bit of a reach to throw Timberwolves and... Grizzlies and a rivalry week when their rivalry just started last yeah. playoffs. Right. As far as I know. Yeah. All it says on the, this is from the NBA's website too, but all it says really on there is like an exciting matchup between two of the league's best young guards, John Morant and Anthony Edwards. I'm like, hmm. I didn't really know that was a rivalry, but maybe we're loosening the meaning of the term rivalry now. Maybe they should have had a fan vote or something to get the rivalries in there. The Celtics are up to 33 and 12 now and have mm-hmm. won seven in a row. That's crazy. Are the Celtics on clear 60 games won this year or no? We're at what 45, so there's 37 left and they have to clear 27 more. Yeah. 
So basically, are they going to go 27 and 10 in their last 37 games or whatever? That would be the same winning percentage that they have right now. So they just have to keep up the exact pace. I feel like it's definitely possible. I'm not ruling it out, but I feel like there might be a period of time after the All-Star game where it's before teams are gearing up for a playoff run, but it's a little bit too early to like dump it all into, you know, pushing yourselves to like your max potential, especially when you're the one seed and you know that you're going to end up in the top four or five anyways. So you don't have to kill yourselves every single night. So Mm -hmm. maybe the winning percentage drops off a little bit. I mean, it's at least conceivable, but um, I, I could certainly see them eclipsing 60 games this year. Yeah, I could see it happening, but just entering the dog days of the NBA season now, middle of the winter, it's, it gets tough to travel all around and keep up the intensity, I'd imagine. On the other hand, though, I do not see the Nuggets or the Grizzlies getting to 60. Probably in that 55 to 60 range, but I don't see them either of those teams getting over 60. Yeah, that would be tough. The Grizzlies would have to win 28 out of the next 37. Or the mm-hmm. Nuggets, what I mean. Yeah. That would be a lot to ask. I mean, it's one game off from the Celtics, but I feel like the Nuggets are... Maybe this is just preconceived notions about the Nuggets in, in years past, I guess. But I feel like if anyone's going to, like, not rest your starters per se, but, like, you know, and the, the equivalent is, like, a, in the NFL, when you get down to, like, weeks 16, 17, and 18, if you've already secured a playoff spot, you kind of, like, take it a little bit easier on your starters, maybe. If you don't have anything necessarily to play for, you don't want anyone to get hurt. And especially with um, the Nuggets, and I don't think they've had any significant injury issues this season on, like, their main players, right? Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. But because mm-hmm. of the history of injuries on the team, I could see them trying to, like, conserve the roster for the playoffs and and really try to get in you know on the one seed so yeah i could see that but also on the other hand in their last 10 games each combined they're uh 19 and one put together true unfortunately for them there's only going to be one team that makes it to 60 wins this year and it's going to be the sacramento king so everyone can (laughs) step aside They just have to get 35 more wins in their next 37 games. The Charlotte Hornets could win out the rest of the season and still not make it to 60 wins, obviously. (laughs) That's depressing. Not even close to 60. (laughs) They're at uh, 46, so you're looking at 26 more games there. If they won out this season, they would barely finish over 500. (laughs) That's depressing. All right, what do you think? What do you think? Let's get into some picks go through our players of the week circle back on some good storylines and i have something new i want to introduce as like a a 30 second weekly portion of the podcast Mm. just had a good idea before we started today maybe we just we just knock out some players of the week right away started off strong all right let's do some players of the week you want to go first you want me to take the lead here i'll go first i'm ready here all right go for it All right, so congratulations to the Toronto Raptor, who has won my player of the week this week. It is Gary Trent Jr., so congratulations. Clap it up for him. Everybody give him a shout-out. Did you see his interaction with Brooke Lopez after their last game? No, I did not. Oh, boy. 
Well, follow up. Did you see the clip where Brooke Lopez ripped off Gary Trent's headband? Uh, no, I also didn't see that. I wish I did, though. Yep. So Gary Trent is driving and he's almost to the rim. And then Brooke Lopez is right there. And Brooke Lopez is kind of falling backwards and just rips his headband off and like scoops it behind him, throws it between his legs and just launches it. Like kind of, what are you doing? What's going on here? Type deal. Mm-hmm. And um, he got a technical, obviously. And after the game, they were like talking or whatever. They're like, why'd you do that? And Brooke Lopez said, quote, make sure this never gets aired. You know how like serial killers say the dog in their apartment building was talking? The headband was talking to me. <laughs> okay and then also so they followed up with that obviously how could you not Mm -hmm. of course and he said i don't know how it ended up on the ground i thought i should have gotten minus two technicals for it if that makes sense like two get out of jail free cards that's how good (laughs) of a person i am apparently steve trent or whatever the guy's name is he wanted to just hold me that's how good of a person i am what (laughs) (laughs) Was he on, was he on drugs during the game today? Did 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 he get randomly drug tested the next morning when he got to the facility? He should have. So <laughs> all all in all, roundabout way of saying Gary Trent Jr. deserves some love for that awkward, strange interaction. Hey, I I'll add this as a Gary Trent Jr. Uh, piece of information. Did you see the latest team that's rumored to be going after Gary Trent Jr.? Uh, Lakers. No. Sons, no. Then no, I have no idea. The Charlotte Hornets. Oh, all right. I just saw. I saw that in super quick passing today. Just made a mental note of it. Um, That'll be interesting. We are twelve. Let's see, twelve plus nine, twenty-one. We're twenty-one days out from the trade deadline now. Um, Wow. Excuse my little bit of math on live air. Feeling a little brain dead right now. But uh, yeah, 21, three weeks out from the trade deadline. So that'll be interesting. Actually, I guess if we're recording um, in three weeks, we'll be covering the trades that are happening right then. So that'll be fun. Um, sure. I think the trade deadline finishes at like five or six or something. So we'll be just wrapping it up and then getting on the mics, talking perfect. about it. Um, I think that uh, in terms of trades, I, along with most other people, love to see the big splashy trades that are happening. Um, as the trade deadline approaches, last year, obviously, the big one was James Harden to Philadelphia, right? Um, with Ben Simmons going over to Brooklyn. And um, I think that as fun as it would be to see the big splashy trades and see some real reformations of teams as you try to gear up for the second half of the season just in kind of perusing um, the trade rumors that are circulating. I mean, trade rumors could be something, they could be nothing. They could be, you know, anonymous executives talking behind the scenes, or they could just be some anonymous Redditor posting on a subreddit. I went deep down the NBA trade rumor Reddit hole. um, (laughs) And basically from what I'm seeing, it sounds like there's not going to be any like big players moved or anything like that, mm-hmm. which is super disappointing for me because I was so certain that Kevin Durant, Kyrie and Ben Simmons would all be off the Nets roster in three weeks. 
Um, they did, unfortunately, turn it around a little bit. Now they're in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Ben Simmons is still garbage, but, you know, I'm wrong. And I'll admit when I'm wrong. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'd say probably the most likely in the beginning of the season to get moved would be Kevin Durant out of those three. But now Kevin Durant's hurt, so he can't even be traded. So I guess right. the question remains, is Kevin Durant ducking the trade deadline? big moves probably i mean not the biggest i don't know the biggest name but there seems to be a lot of a lot of buzz going around about cam reddish right now so could be one of the bigger names moved to the trade deadline Mm -hmm. um anyways shout out gary trent jr for being the co-player of the week for the qccr podcast i'll get into my player of the week i go back and forth in trying to evaluate players on whether I want to go with a more serious statistic-based player or call someone out because they deserve love or because they did something fun or exciting. And I decided to take a little bit more of a serious approach. This is probably an obvious one, but I just want to call it out because I've not been uh, showing too much love to this player over the course of the last 20 years. But I would like to welcome LeBron James as a player of the week on the podcast, never thought I would hear myself saying this, but last Sunday, LeBron finally eclipsed 38,000 points, turned 38 this year in his 20th season, eclipsed 38,000 points. As of today, the Lakers aren't playing tonight, I don't think. Um, So as of right now, we're recording this on Thursday, January 19th. LeBron is 283 points behind Wilt Chamberlain for most points scored all time. And uh, the last 17 games, he's he's averaged 34, 8, and 8. But if you limit that down to the last seven days in which LeBron has played three games, he's actually averaging 38, 9, 38, 8, and 9, which is just an insane stretch for someone that age. I don't know the next time we'll ever see that happen. But if you kind of reduce those numbers just even slightly and carry the averages out, assuming he doesn't get injured or anything like that. Now watch, I jinxed him. He's going to be out for a month. Um, You take that to about nine or 10 games out from now, nine games out, they're playing on the road, but 10 games out, they're playing at home versus Oklahoma city. So I want you to clip this section of the podcast right here. When you go back and you edit the recording, LeBron James, I'm saying this on Thursday, January 19th at 10 34 PM Eastern time. LeBron James will eclipse Wilt Chamberlain as the NBA's all-time leading scorer on February 7th at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Wow. Magical. For that reason, LeBron James is my co-player of the week. Have you considered if he scores 238 points tomorrow night against Memphis and breaks the record? It could happen. I'm not, I'm not saying it won't. I could see that. So congratulations to Mr. James. I also do have an honorable mention player of the week. Um, again, not an NBA player. So that's why he or she is in the honorable mention category. We're fans of the WNBA, right? We we follow generally probably more than the the average basketball fan follow what's going on in, in the WNBA, um, try to show love to both leagues. And uh, we had a big, big uh, all-time legend in the WNBA announcer retirement uh, just a couple days ago here. So my honorable mention player of the week is Maya Moore. 
to go through some of her accolades. She was the 2011 Rookie of the Year. She's a four-time WNBA champion. She was a 2013 Finals MVP. She's a six-time All-Star and a three-time All-Star MVP. Obviously a college legend as well, playing at UConn for Gino Auriemma, um, part of those legendary teams. I remember her because that was 2011 was when I graduated high school. So she played for UConn back when I was, you know, in high school and paid a lot of attention to, you know, both the men's and women's teams as well then. So shout out Maya Moore, um, co, not co-player of the week, but honorable mention for the QCCR player of the week this week. Yeah. Happy retirement. She is probably one of the reasons that a lot of people our age even watched women's college basketball translated into WNBA basketball. hundred percent easy. She like never really lost games when you watched in college. She was like 150 and three or four or something like that, but yep, pretty much unbeatable. It's a, uh, one of the goats. Happy trails, happy trails. All right. Well, those are our players of the week. We have um, Gary Trent Jr., LeBron James, and Maya Moore with the honorable mention. So shout out all three of you. Happy to have you on the pod if you'd like to discuss. Absolutely. Should we go through some picks? Sure. I'll recap my picks because I took two fat L's last week. For my favorite, I had the Cleveland Cavaliers minus three playing in Minnesota. I thought for sure that this was an easy, easy win. This was going to be a lock. I think I have to stop saying on the podcast, I'm surprised it's only a three point spread. I think it should be more because every time I say that, not only do I lose the bet, I feel like I actually like lose outright. My team does. So yeah, yeah. rough day, for, rough day for me. Um, Cavaliers ended up losing. 110 to 102. They were ahead pretty significantly early on, I feel like. Um, they were up only six at halftime or five at halftime, but it felt like at times watching the game, they had run it to like a 15 to 18 point lead and just looked like they were clicking. All of a sudden, you flip back to the game in the fourth quarter and they're down trying to play catch up and they just can't quite get there. So, a uh, good win for the Timberwolves, I guess, who are currently in 10th place in the Western Conference. Um, can't say too much about the game. It is what it is, but rough game for uh, Cleveland fans. Yeah, I'd say so. Shout out to Timberwolves. They got another win tonight, too. They were five and a half point underdogs and secured a dub. I can go through my favorite, too, then I'll let you cover both of your game. Or Yeah, my underdog. Sorry, I'll go through my underdog, then I'll let you cover both of your games as well. Another game I thought was going to be a lock, not, not, uh, as confident in this one, but I had picked the Dallas Mavericks to cover a one and a half point spread playing in Portland. And I remember one of the main reasons I had picked Dallas was because obviously, you know, they're playing some halfway decent basketball lately. They're in fifth place in the Western conference. They're they're have a positive winning percentage, which is good. And, you know, Dame Lillard, who I think I cited this on the podcast last week, he was averaging like 38 points per game in his last five games before this matchup with the Mavericks, but he had lost all five. So I thought, okay, well, the streak will continue. Even if Dame pops off, Mavericks should still be able to cover that one and a half point spread. 
Um, Dame did, in fact, pop off. He put up 36 points, five boards, and 10 assists. But Luca kind of floundered a little bit. He only put up 15 points, six boards, and 10 assists. And obviously just didn't put up his usual numbers. So the Mavericks ended up losing 119 to 136. Like I mentioned, I took two fat L's. Um, I really just want to try to put this behind me. So as soon as I finish the sentence, we are never going to speak of my picks made over the course of the last week ever (laughs) again. Go for it. You're on the clock. All right. Last week I had the Utah Jazz plus four and a half against the 76ers. (laughs) The 76ers won by one. Mr. Embiid had a game winner with six seconds left to take the lead, and Jordan Clarkson missed the potential game winner at the other end, but they covered. So, I mean, that's all we ask from them on this podcast. The 76ers were up by like 15 or 20 in the first quarter and then slowly let their lead die away, and the Jazz came through. Pretty clutch, clutch performance by them. And then I had... The Boston Celtics minus seven and a half versus Charlotte. The Celtics won by 16 and they were down by three at halftime, but there was never really a doubt that they weren't going to cover that. Jason Tatum put up 33 and dropped 17 in the third quarter, pretty much just buried them. And that's 2-0 right there. Not a bad week, not a bad week. We're going to replicate those numbers again tonight, tomorrow's games, I guess. Just for the record, um, I want to announce the records, make sure we're doing it on air every week, even though usually it's to my detriment. Um, <laughs> because of those games, your overall record on picks for the season moved to 18-7-1. My record moved to a very measly 14-10-2. So I have a lot of ground to make up here, and I plan on doing that starting this week. I'll start with my favorite pick. Uh, for the weeks I think you picked first last week. So let's just jump right into it, get done with our picks here. Mm-hmm. My favorite pick for the week, I'm going to run it back with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'll explain why now. Um, obviously, I think I've picked Cleveland a few times, and they've let me down. Maybe I have a little much confidence in them, or I'm just picking them on the wrong nights because they obviously are playing well this season. The Cavs are playing at home tomorrow night against the Warriors, who are on a road trip. Obviously, we just talked about them playing in Boston and losing in overtime. And I and I had like mentally made this pick before the game started tonight. And then as I'm watching the Warriors game, I'm realizing the Warriors are going to go on the road to face another tough opponent in the Eastern Conference. The Warriors, after tonight's loss, are uh, in seventh place in the Western Conference, and they have a five and seventeen record on the road. And I think that's going to five and eighteen tomorrow. I don't, I don't think the Warriors are going to be able to keep up with the Cavs tomorrow, especially just after playing this really rough and tumble game um, with the Cavs tonight or with the uh, Celtics tonight. Sorry. So to go on the road to another Eastern Conference powerhouse with how poorly they've done on the road this season, I just don't think the Warriors are going to be able to get it done. So I'll take the Cavs minus five and a half tomorrow, Friday, January 20th. Not bad. Not a bad place to be. I think it'll be tough for them coming off the back-to-back to get into that game after being in this game so closely. So I guess we'll see. But for my favorite, I am going with the winners of 11 in a row, the Memphis Grizzlies, playing the Lakers. They're favored by six and a half. And in the last 11 games the Grizzlies have played, they're outscoring teams 124 to 112. 
the Lakers are six and four in their last 10, so they're not playing too bad, but they're just they're just missing bodies out there. Austin Reeves is out. AD is obviously still out. Lonnie Walker is out. And I think the Grizzlies will probably just play fast, play physical, and score a lot of points and probably win the game by quite a bit. Even if LeBron okay. puts up a 50-burger, we're, we're still going to take home a win. Okay. Well, I am going to ride my LeBron player of the week honors this week. I'm going to ride that into my underdog pick this week. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't had a head-to-head matchup yet in 2023, I don't think, so this is going to be our first. I am going to take the Lakers plus six and a half for all the opposite reasons. I think, like you mentioned, Austin Reeves is out and Lonnie Walker is out but I think LeBron's going to end up showing out. Um, like I said, he's averaging 38 over his last three games. He's averaging 34 over his last 17 games. And anytime you have a LeBron on the floor, you give yourself a chance to win, but the Lakers don't even need to win tomorrow. They just got to keep it close. And I think they're going to end up doing that. <laughs> I guess we'll see. I don't mind a little head to head action. For my underdog, I'm going to go with the Miami heat plus one and a half against the Dallas Mavericks. The heat have won seven out of the last 10 they're starting to heat up and nice they beat the pacers by 26 in the last game they're up to eighth in the power rankings and on the opposite side the mavs are four and six in their last 10 they've lost three in a row no christian wood no maxi kleber and potentially no tim hardaway jr and also one last fact for you in the Mavs last three games they've given up 130 136 and 140 points so defense hasn't been looking great and Jimmy Buckets is gonna make that obvious okay that'll be an interesting game to watch uh depending on the sports book you go to generally the lines can change but typically you have the same favorite uh versus the same underdog right but for the Heat and Mavericks, I am on uh, the Score app, which is partnered with Barstool Sportsbook or is owned by Barstool Sportsbook at this point. Um, and they have the Heat as the favorite, minus one and a half. And I feel like that's odd, not necessarily wow. crazy odd, but just odd to see it flip-flop like that. So good pick for you. Um, could be you just playing the system, but I'll allow it. Let's move forward. We're going to have some fun. And uh, one of us is going to go two and all this week. One of us is going to go one and one, and we're going to have some fun next week when we talk about these matchups. So we got the Cavs minus five and a half at home against the Warriors. Warriors, you have the Grizzlies minus six and a half on the road in Los Angeles against the Lakers. I have the Lakers plus six and a half in the same game, and you took the Heat plus one and a half on the road in Dallas. So We'll tweet these picks out in the morning, follow along, let us know what you think, answer our poll in terms of whose picks you think are the most likeliest to hit, and let's see how we do. Let's see how we do. People have not been picking my picks in the poll, and I've been <laughs> I've been on a hot streak, and people still are not picking mine. Haters. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, yeah, people have been picking my picks as the most likely to hit, and I think I'm 0-4 in my last four picks, so... I'm riding a little bit of a losing streak. It happens, uh, but I'm ready to turn it around. I think people just get scared off because I picked the Magic and the Thunder and just the Spurs and random teams a lot. And people like to like to ride with the 
the mainstays in the league, not the For sure. underdogs. If I lose this pick with the Cavs and the Warriors, I'm going to stop making my picks based on trying to find some like basis or reason in the universe that something's going to happen because I feel like I try to make my picks a lot of the time, like looking at analytically, like, okay, the Warriors are coming off the second night of a back-to-back on the road. They're historically bad on the road this season and they're playing two Eastern conference powerhouses back-to-back, let alone the back-to-back itself. The Cavs are obviously going to cover this five and a half point spread. And then I end up losing. So if this happens again this if this happens again this week, that's the end of it. And we're just going to go back to making gut picks here. You just got to start launching picks. That's the way to do it. <laughs> At this point, it can't get much worse. All right. I think it's time. I think we have to rip the Hornets Band-Aid off here. Quick and fast. <laughs> All right. I'm sure most of the people that listen to this have seen it, but the the main man in Charlotte, Lamelo, has sprained his ankle. This is not an episode from October. This is not an episode from November. This is an episode from January, and it is once again sprained, same ankle, third time's a charm. I saw a lot of people uh, saying that, you know, I'm sure this is the, the end of Lamelo season. Um on Twitter, obviously interact with a lot of Hornets accounts. So a lot of people tweeting about whether it's likely Mm -hmm. or not that he's going to return. And obviously we don't actually know anything until the doctors release the reports and the team releases the reports and, and hopefully gives us some sort of, you know, status update on how he's doing. But uh, I don't know that he's going to miss the rest of the season. He also did come out and say, I think this morning that, you know, he personally feels like this is different than the last two times he sprained his ankle because he actually is like up and walking right now versus the last two times when he couldn't really be up and walking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fingers crossed that this is really not too bad of an injury and he's only going to be out maybe a couple weeks or something like that, but definitely a, a devastating blow to an already depressing Hornet season. Obviously, the Hornets did steal a win from the Rockets the other night. Now they're in now they're the third worst team in the NBA. But <laughs> it's it's um it's depressing to watch. And I don't know. I feel like if I'm the Hornets, I'm not necessarily worried about bringing new talent in at the trade deadline, but I am trying to sell, um, get off some contracts and just kind of get ready for the future. I think the biggest name for the Hornets as we approach the trade deadline is probably Terry Rozier, even though it seems like other teams also have interest in Mason Plumlee. And if I'm going to be personally sad to see a team, to see a teammate go, it's probably Terry because I think he just kind of like fits in well with the, the vibes, I guess that they have going on in Charlotte. I think him and LaMelo play really well together, Mm-hmm. But it, it's 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 at some point it's just not really working and you're going to have to let the young guys cook and assuming you don't get that number one pick because it seems like they're going to be competing with other teams for that pick. You know, I I can't imagine that they don't try to draft maybe another card or something like that, even though I think what they should do is just take the best player available and actually give him playing time. So I think one of the few bright spots for the Hornets, though, has been Mark Williams um his play over the last couple you know over the last week or so even um because of how poorly they're doing and because nick richards has been sitting pretty frequently um over the last couple games mark williams has kind of taken those secondhand center minutes 
And he's been playing really well, I think. Um, you can tell that he's not quite fully developed into you know his NBA frame and his NBA skill set quite yet, but this is how you get players to do that. You gotta let him play at some point, so you might as well when you're a hundred games under five hundred. No better time <laughs> right. than now. You might as well, especially if you are gonna try and sell on Mason Plumley because you you gotta do something. I mean, I even trading for like a halfway decent center. Don't get me wrong. Actually, Mason Plumley has been playing not bad, been playing pretty good over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the motivation for that is, actually. Do you think that players like Mason Plumley is, is not just, you know, random trade rumors going around that he's going to be traded? I think teams are actually legitimately interested in calling it, calling the Hornets about him. And so do you think that players see this? and try to play better than they otherwise would to like increase their, I don't want to say draft stock, obviously, because we're not talking about the draft, but like their, their stock, their, um, what they would go for. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think necessarily they think about their trade value going up, but I think they think about their next contract. And as Plum Dog gets older, he, has to prove why a team should pick him up when he's in his 30s and play him in a backup role or whatever once he is done with the Hornets or re-signs long-term with the Hornets behind Wemby. Right. But they probably see some of the stuff going around, but I don't think they play one way or another in spite of or because of the trade rumors or whatever. Do the top three picks in the draft all have the same chance at the number one seed? No, I don't think so. On their um, website, it says the Rockets, the Pistons, and the Hornets all have a 14% chance to get the number one pick, and all have a 50% chance to be in the top four. I guess you're right, yeah. The number one, two, and three each have a 14% chance to get the number one pick. The number four team has the twelve has a 12.5% chance to get the number one pick. Number five is 10.5%, and then it just slightly decreases as you go a little bit further and a little bit further, so... Oh, I guess it's to keep you from tanking too bad, but it wouldn't even matter if you're third or if you're first worst in the league. That's a good point. I never thought about that. I mean, I feel like I knew that, but obviously I just didn't because you asked me and I said they don't have the same odds. But if the Hornets end up in this bottom three slot, which it seems like they will, it's the um, the Hornets, the Pistons, and, and the Rockets uh, competing with, I guess the Spurs and the magic, but even the magic are a little bit better. The Spurs are slightly better obviously here, but yeah, it seems like unless something crazy happens, it's going to be this, the, uh, the rockets, the Pistons and the Hornets competing for that number one pick. So it will be very interesting to see what happens there. For sure. You better end up in there or else the Hornets might just implode. Let's assume for the sake of argument, the Hornets get the number one pick though. And they're going to draft Wemby, obviously. There's no argument to that effect. Let's assume for the sake of argument, again, current makeup of the roster, no trades are done, no crazy signings this offseason. Let's assume you just drop Wemby onto the roster as, as it is made up today. Do you? Where do you play him in the lineup? He's starting, obviously, with LaMelo healthy. I should say that as well. Well, it's got to be LaMelo and Terry. And then, well... Naturally, I'd probably play him in between the three and the four and fill in the other one, but 
I would just take out Gordon, but I don't. Gordon is supposed to be one of the guys that is a key piece in the lineup. I don't think they would actually take him out. So they would probably try to play Wemby at the four and then leave Mason in there at the five, probably, since he's not really a he's not really a NBA big man. He's more of a stretch three or four point guard or who even knows. I don't know. When you hear that he's seven two or whatever. A lot of people just assume they're going to take Mason out and plug him in, but that's not really, not really a best fit for him. And yeah, yeah. And if you watch any of his tape, I mean, he's not your stereotypical big man, obviously taking, you know, he's out there taking like running three point shots and stuff. So you're right. More, more of a stretch three or four. And he's not, not that he can't go in and battle inside. Obviously he is seven, two, like you said, but Mm -hmm. he's not the, the stereotypical big guy. So yeah, I mean, I think you'd probably leave PJ in since he's still on the come up and Gordon has hit his peak and declining into next year, I'd say probably. But it's hard to say what they'll do. What if you have this scenario? The Lakers somehow land the first pick, which obviously goes to New Orleans. New Orleans drafts Wemby. So I don't think any team's trading that, <laughs> trading that number one pick. Just out of curiosity, because you have, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, you have Zion Williamson. Do you do you you still draft Wemby, right? Yeah, you have to. I mean, where where do you play him though? Who do you play him over? <laughs> do you put him at the two? Them. CJ, who's CJ McCollum? You put him, you put Wemby at the one? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I think if they drafted him out, even think they would start him right away, probably with that lineup. I mean, that'd be crazy. You'd ruin their chemistry right away, but you can't not start him. So that'd be quite a predicament. I'd say NBA fans would riot. Obviously, it's not uh, the most solid basketball move, but I mean, you could just take out Valanciunas, even though he gets a million rebounds, and just play those guys just a fun lineup. Could be. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to happen. I think. I do actually think that the Lakers will make a bit of a run towards the end of the season and sneak into the, you know, the back end of the play in tournament. I don't think we're have, we're going to have to have this conversation, but you know, the, uh, you know how the odds are, something could obviously happen. And especially I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but some people think the NBA is rigged and I could see a world where the NBA makes something like that happen. If conspiracy theories were true. So I'm just saying, mm-hmm. But on the topic of the NBA lottery and the Hornets odds to maybe land the number one pick, especially if LaMelo misses significant time at this point, I think something we should do on a weekly basis through the end of the season and uh, through and up until the lottery is actually announced is just take 20 seconds every single episode and run the tankathon.com NBA lottery simulator and just see where the Hornets end up. Because then we can see how we're feeling, see what the odds are looking like based on the current standings. So what do you think? Should we go ahead and add it in? I think so. It's approved. Let's do it. All right. I already have it loaded up here. So let me just get to the right tab. And then we're going to run the simulator and see where our Charlotte Hornets end up today. So everything's reset. You have obviously Houston as the worst team win percentage wise, followed by Detroit, Charlotte, San Antonio, Orlando, Washington, Toronto, the Lakers, whose pick would go to uh, New Orleans, like we just talked about, Phoenix, 
the Phoenix Suns being in the draft lottery after last season is hilarious to me. I think mm-hmm. they're another team. Like they'll shoot back up the Western Conference standings once all their players are back and and you know they kind of get things figured out. I'm sure they're not going to miss the playoffs this year. But it is funny to see them in ninth place in the lottery right now in the standings. Anyways, to be in the lottery, number yeah. ten is the Chicago Bulls whose pick would also go to Orlando. So that would be interesting to give Orlando two lottery picks. Um, You have Portland at 11, Golden State at 12, Oklahoma City at 13, and Indiana at 14. So without further ado, let's run the simulator and see where we end up tonight. All right. Well, Hornets ended up with the third pick, so that's interesting. Um, You had the Detroit Pistons end up taking the number one pick. Mm. You have Orlando jumped up three spots to the number two pick. Charlotte is in third, so they stayed right where they were before sucks but at least they're still in the top three you have san antonio and four and then the big loser here was the houston rockets dropping down to number five um obviously they are the worst team so that that would be classic houston rockets but that'll be interesting and then the rest of the standings stay generally the same so if you're the third pick in the draft according to tankathon.com the third best player in the draft is Eamon Thompson, who's a guard. He's one of those twins that plays on Overtime Elite. That'd be a good pick. I think a lot is going to... I think, obviously, number one and number two are Victor and Scoot Henderson. But a lot of how the rest of the draft after the top two picks shakes out is going to depend how the rest of the college season goes because I think we've seen a lot of movement from individual players uh, as the college season has already progressed. Just to, you know, we're 20 games in or whatever whatever we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. We'll revisit this little, little tiny segment next week, and hopefully the, the Hornets will get a better pick than number three. Side note as well, um, the one team that I, I saw that's been seriously pursuing, I shouldn't say seriously pursuing, the one team that I saw that had shown actual interest in Mason Plumley was the Denver Nuggets which I think would just be amazing if they picked up Plumley and Plumley got to play behind Nikola Jokic. Wow. They should just play them both twin tower style. <laughs> that would be that amazing. Would be awesome. If Plumley leaves Charlotte and goes and starts dropping like 22 points, 15 boards a game, I'm going to fucking lose it. <laughs> he could. <laughs> he definitely could. He shows flashes here and there of like not playing horrible he's not what we need in the starting center but he's he's a fine valuable backup center to have on your roster he can he can give short bursts of quality basketball so would be really interesting to see how that goes they obviously do have deandre jordan on the roster as well but he's only played 30 games uh this season putting up you know four points a game not even an assist and five boards so Plumley wouldn't be any worse than that anyways yeah. Maybe we do a one for one swap and give up Plumley for DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> we bring back Lob City. DeAndre Jordan doesn't really look like he can jump very high <laughs> to dunk anymore. So I don't know about that one. It's like watching Blake Griffin try to go out and dunk now, still. Speaking of people that can throw the ball down, did you see Aaron Gordon's comment about the dunk contest? Uh, I don't think so. People are trying to get Aaron Gordon to go participate in the dunk contest with the other three that have already been announced. And he's been pushing back saying he doesn't really want to do it, but he came out today and said, um, 
if I'm an all-star this season, I'll play in the dunk contest. <laughs> so trying to like, in a funny way, you know, use the ver- term very loosely, but in a funny way, like quote unquote, bribe his way into the all-star game, which would just be really, really funny. He could sneak his way in Andrew Wiggins style as the, one of the starters on the best team in the West, like he did. Yeah, definitely could. Especially if the NBA is trying to drive it so that they can get him in the dunk contest, which would be really fun. So mm-hmm. definitely could happen. I think we should, as a podcast, each come up with a couple trades that are not only feasible, but also could logically happen so that when the trades do happen we can basically brian windhorst ourselves exactly that's a great idea we'll have to do that now why is that (laughs) definitely going to do that we have a couple we're going to have a couple good episodes coming up we have um we're going to do a trade deadline well i should say before we get to the trade deadline special we'll come in with a segment next week or the week after talking about potential trades that will maybe go down we're three weeks out right now, so maybe we do it next week, and then you have two weeks to kind of sit and ponder. Um, we'll do a trade deadline special because we'll be recording just a few hours after the deadline actually closes, so we'll be able to evaluate some of the trades that have gone down. And then I think during All-Star Weekend, it, it'll be a little bit past halfway through the season, but we are going to have an episode for the listeners where we go through each of the NBA teams and kind of give them a grade, you know, A through F, on how they're doing and potential recommendations on how to turn it around through the end of the season, whether that means putting together a run for the playoffs or figuring out how to give yourself the best chance to get a decent pick in next year's draft. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. We'll get those out for the people. Gotta give the people what they want. Little schedule updating for everybody. Really quick discussion here, something we've been keeping our eye on, something we've been talking a lot about as the season has progressed, but the discussions are taking a little bit of a new meaning as we cross the halfway point and gear towards the end of the season now is the race for MVP, obviously. Um, You still have your typical players that are setting atop the race from my perspective, obviously, you know, you have your Nicole Jokic's, your Lucas, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Giannis, Kevin Durant, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to just get your thoughts on whether your thoughts, get your thoughts on whether the race has changed at all from your perspective, just based on how the teams have been, have been playing. Um, I've mentioned before, but I like to flip to, to the basketball reference MVP award tracker. The only thing I don't like about it is that I don't think it takes into consideration the fact that like the NBA has never really awarded the MVP to the same player three seasons in a row. Um, If it has happened, it obviously hasn't happened a lot, but they have Mm -hmm. Nikola Jokic um, with a 70.2% chance to win the MVP at this point, 70.2. The next is Luca with a seven and a half percent, Joel Embiid, 7%, Jason Tatum, 4%. They actually have Sabonis with a 2% chance to win over Giannis, Kevin Durant, John Morant, Jimmy Butler, and SGA. Um, So shout out DeMontis Sabonis for being one of the top five candidates for MVP, according to uh, him, you know, basketball reference. (laughs) Well, 
from my perspective, I think the race has changed a little bit since the last couple months. I think a couple months ago, I would have said it was pretty open, but now mm. I'd probably say he's running away with it more than I would have thought originally. 70% sounds like pretty high, but I think it's up there. I think I would say it's probably higher than 50 at this point. Yeah. It just comes down to whether the voters will actually put him through for a third time. I would probably vote for him right now. If he was to win it a third time, he'd be the, the fourth fourth player to win it three times fourth in a row. Player. Just going to correct myself. Bill Russell won it, it, it from 60 to 63. Wilt won it from 65 to 68. And Larry Bird won it from 83 to 86. Yeah. So correct myself on the spot there. But uh, let me ask you this. Maybe in conjunction with the probability put forth by basketball reference is a part of the basis that you said you're saying you would vote for him right now. The fact that the nuggets are the number one team in the West. Yeah, I think it plays a big part in it. It definitely vaults guys a lot higher when they are the best team in their um, conference right now. So the thing that bugs me about that though, is that um, obviously Devin Booker wasn't putting up the same numbers as Nicole Jokic last season. But Denver, but Devin Booker was averaging 25 and five, 25, five and five on the best team mm-hmm. in the Western Conference by far. I don't remember what their record ended up being. It was 64 and 18 or something like that last year. Um the the Suns rolled through the regular season behind Devin Booker, and he wasn't even seriously considered for the MVP. And so that's fine. I think you should consider you know, how much a player contributes to his team's success and whether a team can get on this player's back and almost like will themselves to a win sometimes if they need to. And if that's the case, then yes, Nikola Jokic is definitely the the leader of the MVP race at this point. But if that's also the case, then why is Jason Tatum not second place in the MVP award, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, again, we're just going off basketball reference. I'm sure we could put together our own ladders, right? Um, but Jason Tatum should, under that reasoning, uh, be a little bit higher in the award. Probably shouldn't be 70% Jokic and only 4% Jason Tatum. I mean, he's averaging more points than Jokic. Obviously, he's not averaging as many rebounds, but it's not that far off. The only thing that Jokic is smoking Tatum in is Jokic is averaging 25, 11, and 10. And Jason Tatum is averaging 31, 8, and 4. So the assists are obviously in favor of Jokic, but the points are obviously in favor of Jason Tatum. Um, And then on the other hand, though, last year, Nikola Jokic won MVP on the Nuggets toward the sixth seed in the Western Conference. But again, if you go by that line of thinking and it and it doesn't necessarily matter if a team is you know one of the top two or three teams in the conference in terms of that team's player winning the MVP award let's look at the Dallas Mavericks who are sitting in fifth place right now in the Western Conference everybody loves to shit on the Mavs because they're really nothing without Luka at this point Christian Woods now out for a couple weeks anyways with the thumb injury I think so Rosters mm-hmm. depleted even a little bit more. And I know Tim Hardaway is on the trade block as we approach the trade deadline. So like what's going to happen in Dallas, who knows, but obviously Luca is averaging 33, nine and nine, not, not far off of Nicole Jokic and the rebounds and assists categories. 
and smoking him in terms of the points. Obviously, Luca's leading the NBA in scoring, and that's probably why he's in second place. But to me, it's not like I'm surprised that Jokic is a 70% probability according to basketball reference. It just seems weird to me. That's all. Yeah, I think it's pretty high to have halfway through the season, but he's putting up advanced stats that people haven't put up as high numbers since like Will, as far as like the PER and the all the efficiency ratings and everything like that, like the Raptor stat that everybody uses, that's like the plus the minus and the wins above mm-hmm. replacement and all that. I don't even know what else they throw in there, but all the advanced player tracking stuff. Jokic has a 15, and the next highest is Luka, plus 9.1. And then a few guys after him, like plus 7.5. And And I think it'll probably end up coming down to whether the voters say they have, well, they don't say it, but if they act like they have voter fatigue, I guess. Like, if he keeps putting up the numbers, I think they probably will give it to him unless they play that card. And if they do say they have voter fatigue, it's just... uh, stupid excuse if he does deserve it at this point definitely i if he deserves it he deserves it i i think giving someone an mvp three years in a row is fine if they've played that consistently well three years in a row and i think you're probably right the reason that i don't um the reason i am looking at this and saying wow it's kind of weird to me uh that he has a 70 percent probability to win according to basketball reference is i'm not really like an advanced stats guy i don't understand all of that i guess maybe i should try and dig into it and learn it but i don't understand it all but if i did i probably would be able to understand why they're giving him that probability because obviously basketball reference is a pretty good resource to Mm -hmm. you know take a deep dive into those types of stats so yeah you got to trust the process. I I don't I don't I don't disagree. If he keeps up relatively the same numbers, I mean, I don't think he has to average a triple double in order to to win MVP. But if he keeps up relatively the same numbers and the Nuggets stay in the top, you know, three seeds in the Western Conference, top four seeds in the Western Conference, I mean, he's going to be a lock. It's just going to be crazy. I know that when the season is over, we're going to see graphics and charts and things put out by various basketball resources that show how this season any of the top five players could have won mvp in any other season mm-hmm. you know yeah probably and that and that just goes to show how well the game is being played this year yeah i saw a stat this week i don't know which three games it was but i saw a stat that Jokic played three full games without missing a shot within the three-point arc, and he only missed threes. Wow. Like, what the heck? That doesn't <laughs> seem real. Yeah, no kidding. That's, That's insane. Let's wrap it up with some shout-outs. I have a few. You have a few. Why don't you go first, and I'll follow up. All right. I got a couple random ones coming at you from all different angles. The first one is just strictly a stat about Mr. Halliburton. In Steve Nash's MVP season, he averaged 18.8 points a game, 4.2 rebounds a game, 10.5 assists a game, and 0.8 steals a game. And this year, Tyrese is averaging 20 points a game, 4.7 rebounds a game, 11 assists, and 1.8 steals. So he's higher higher than him in every category, which is pretty neat. Obviously, there are like 20 wins behind them at this point or the Suns would have been that year, but 
still pretty neat to see him putting up Steve Nash numbers. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the Pacers are on a little bit of a slide right now without Tyrese Halliburton, but mm-hmm. you know when he when he's on the floor, he makes a demonstrable difference for the team. And I think when he comes back, they'll be primed to. I, I don't think they're going to make any significant run this year, but they will be primed to at least make a run in the play the play in series and maybe make the actual playoffs. So yeah. that should be fun to watch, fun to keep an eye on. Yeah, give it a shot at least. Second shout out, got two more quick ones. I have no idea if this is even true, but I'm going to act like it is because it's pretty neat. I saw that Chris Middleton, Blake Griffin, Joe Burrow, and 20 other athletes are pooling together $5 million to buy a 104-acre farm in Iowa. Yep, I and saw they're that And they plan to well. buy four more. They're creating a whole farm simulator in real life. <laughs> I love it. That's such a good thing to do. So random. Last one for the night for me. Shout out to the Ohio State Lady Buckeyes. Won tonight by 30. They moved to 19-0. Haven't lost the game. Number two in the country. And they won by 30 without their two best players. And it's the second best start for a Big Ten women's college basketball team in history. Awesome. Go Bucks. All right, I got a few shout outs here, not strictly statistically related as much as yours are, but let's roll with it. Number one is shout out to Jaden Ivy. Him and his girlfriend are pregnant right now. They announced on mm. Instagram, I think two days ago at this point. So the Ivy family will be growing by one in probably four or five, six months, somewhere in there. So that's exciting for him as he, uh, you know, continues his phenomenal rookie season. Second shout out I have is to the two pointers podcast. Typically we're not mentioning other podcasts on ours, no free shout outs, but we were invited onto the two pointers podcast the other night to talk about some of the biggest surprises from our perspective, this NBA season and what the potential playoff matchups would look like if the season ended today. It was a lot of fun. Um, So go give it a listen. We've posted it on our socials and it was just a really all around a great time. So two pointers podcast is great. You should like follow, subscribe there as well and and give it a listen. If you're looking for some more um, really great basketball content, shout out Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts recently became the official coffee of the Charlotte Hornets. I love to see that pairing. Obviously up in Buffalo, we have our, we have a plethora of different coffee shops to choose from coffee chains. We have uh, places like spot coffee, which is more local. Anybody listening to the podcast, not from the area probably wouldn't understand that one. We have Starbucks. Obviously we have Tim Hortons, which mm, some people probably won't know listening to the podcast, but it's located in up North, I would say in New York, but not, not strictly limited to New York. It's actually a Canadian coffee chain. And then we have Dunkin' Donuts, and most people in the area would probably relegate Dunkin' Donuts to third or fourth on that list, but I'm actually a Dunkin' Donuts fan. Um, America runs on Dunkin', QCCR runs on Dunkin', Dunkin' Donuts, if you want to sponsor the podcast, we'd be happy to have you on here. But for now, shout out Dunkin' Donuts for being the official coffee of the Charlotte Hornets. The last shout out I have on a more serious note, shout out to, to Ernie Johnson, His mom, Lois Marjorie, passed away early this week. So rest in peace to her and thoughts are with the Johnson family. 
Well, that does it. Thanks you all for tuning in to episode 14 of the Queen City Control Room podcast. It's been a lot of fun to sit here and talk about what's been going on over the last week. If you could, please head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to us run our mouths every week and like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast. Let us know how we're doing. Give us a review. Obviously, we're preferring a five-star review, but let us know what you think. You can also send us your thoughts at queencitycontrolroom at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at queencitycontrlrm. Until next week, keep an eye on the game.